Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number, let's see, number, I say, uh, number uh, 281. Wow, we're getting up Damn. there. Um, so, yeah, we're back. We're back. Uh, the hiatus is over. This is officially Mind Escape 2.0. Um, yeah, so we're here. We're, we're alive. And we are live. Um, Where you been? Yeah. So, so yeah, Maurice and I did that episode like about a month ago, but yeah, my just got basically set up. We moved my whole family you know, my wife and son and I all moved to uh, Michigan and uh, just where we grew up the area and I'm loving it. I'm glad to be home. Um, Chicago was beautiful. It was fun. You know, 20 years of, of, Oscar, maybe not 20, I think it was like 18 years, but a long time of, of fun and uh, the site, you know, the city and the sites and everything. And just, yeah, I mean, there's just nothing, you know, like family and uh, home. So uh, glad to be home. And other than that, just, uh, <laughs> you know, I went back and listened to a bunch of episodes and cringed a lot at myself and uh, Maurice too. He's not exempt. Um <laughs> and, uh, you know, went through some constructive, crit you know, criticisms and critiques and stuff like that, too. That's the other thing is um, I'm always trying to make this thing better. And even though we haven't done the podcast the last two or three months, you know, regularly, uh, I have been taking notes, trying to get things better, back on track, better guests, better, you know, new episodes and ideas and philosophies and things like that. Um, so I do have a lot to share in terms of that, which we will get to. Uh, as the episodes uh, roll out here. But um, yeah, again, our, since our documentary came out, which that was another part of the break, uh, just getting that documentary done, which is called As Within, So Without, uh, from UFOs to DMT. There is a free version uh, on our YouTube right now, uh, which we would really appreciate you going to. Um, and if you support Mindscape, please retweet it or um, send it on social media or send it to your friends, family, whoever's into this kind of stuff, uh, and just get the ball rolling, you know, get it out there because, uh, I think that those are real people's experiences, which we will get to one of them today. Anthony Tyler, uh, I think he had, uh, one of the best lines of the documentary, if not the best line. So again, if you haven't checked it out, go check it out. Um, we do have a director's cut for a little bit more money for $7 on our Patreon, which gives you access to all of our other exclusive content and interviews. So if you want to check that out, click the link tree link down below. All of our stuff's on there. Our merch store with the new logo. Um, shout out to Aubrey, um, who created our logo. Um, but, well, you know, a little bit of a hybrid based on the old one and, uh, him and I going back and forth and stuff. So his links down below too, if you're interested in any sort of graphic art or need anything done. Um, 
and thank you to everybody that did subscribe to our Patreon and watch the director's cut. Um, and uh, we really appreciate it. We love everybody, and uh, everybody. The support was awesome, and it's amazing. Um, the little community that we built up here uh, of like-minded people that are really into these mysteries and the philosophical underpinnings of them and all that stuff. So. Shout out to everybody. Shout out to some top escapee Sandy, classic, classic Sandy. And then also uh, I'm going to th start throwing Kevin Jerko in here, who is another uh, top escapee. And uh, we really appreciate both of you. Uh, let's see here. Um, yeah, our link tree has all of our links. Um, and, yeah, I, I think that, like I said, I – I'm happy to be home in Michigan amongst uh, the Michiganders. And, um, yeah, let's let the uh, good times roll here. And <laughs> one more thing is uh, I will point out that Maurice, again, will still be coming back on and forth depending on uh, his schedule and everything. I will be continuing to do guest episodes uh, as well as, you know, I might even try a solo one at some point but for you the most part I, th I think i maybe could pull it off sometimes i <laughs> i went back and listened sometimes i was doing solo episodes with guests which is kind of kind of sketch but <laughs> um no, give yourself more credit than that I, i'm working on it i'm working on it um and oh i i don't want to forget this we are going to be working on some sort of mind escape art collab uh, I am huge into, um, well, obviously, you know, cannabis is legal here in Michigan. It was legal where I was living before in Chicago recreationally. Um, and I'm big into, you know, glass and, and beautiful heady glass and all that stuff. Um, whether it be dabs and marbles and turp sets and all that kind of stuff. So um, <laughs> I've reached out to a few people couple I know personally. Um, so one of them would be Andrew Tischler, who is a former guest, actually. Um, and when we had him on initially, I didn't know that he blew glass, but he's really sick. Um, and you can find him, uh, Andrew Tischler glass on um, uh, Instagram. And I'll add all these links after we're done. But um, yeah, he's he's very, very sick artist. Um, and another one's JC Marbles, who's our buddy Jeff, who's a local guy. Um, somebody on Etsy that you can check out is Spirit Moves Us. Check out uh, their um, their page. It's, it's amazing. Um, yeah, and uh, <laughs> this is funny. I ordered, <laughs> I ordered something off Etsy and uh, a marble set, and... <laughs> um, the dude sent me uh, his business card, and on the business card, his last name said Maisie. I'm like, what? That's my last name. It's spelled exactly the same, and it's actually a pretty rare last name in terms of I don't I don't think I've ever seen anybody else on, like online or anything. So shout out to Blake Maisie, my long lost cousin, who's an unbelievable glass blower at Oakwood. Um, uh, what's Hotworks? Oakwood Hotworks. So go check out all those people. Um, again, I will add the links down below, but they're all amazing glass artists. And again, I want to start highlighting local people and people I think that do great work, um, whether it be in this realm or other realms. So, uh, but yeah, shout out to those people and those artists and, uh, yeah, that's it. I just wanted to get all that out there 
And now, without further ado, the man of the next hour to an hour and a half to possibly two hours, Anthony Tyler. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Uh, it's a pleasure to be back. It's been a minute. Absolutely. Uh, of course, you're welcome on any time. We've had Anthony on three or four times in the past, and they've all been excellent, excellent episodes. Uh, I highly recommend them. I will add those links as well. Uh, but so, Anthony, um, you have a podcast now called Black Hoodie Alchemy. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Um. So, <clears throat> it's a... Uh... I should have started it sooner, I guess, you know, I wish I had started it sooner. Uh, but, um, and you know, I don't consider myself anything like a fucking hipster, but, uh, I, I hate to jump on a bandwagon, but you know, the, the honest truth is, um, if this was like 30, 40 years ago, I would have been going to school for, you know, broadcast, something like that. Um, so, uh, it's in my blood and I like doing it. Um, and I feel pretty out of place honestly in the whole social media tiktok thing like the whole viral has never been something that i've been interested in it's always been research and being part of a community of researchers and uh um you know over time i did so many guest spots i wrote a couple books um it got to a point where i didn't see the kinds of discussions that i felt like i could be having myself with people I know. Um, and you know, I just, that, that, that's what they say about art in general is if you're looking for something and you can't find it, you should probably make it, um, uh, to the best of your abilities. So black hoodie alchemy is, um, it's, it's esoterica. It's dark things for positive reasons is probably the easiest nutshell to put it in. Um, you know, like occult paranormal, um, lots of alchemy, obviously like hermeticism um the ceremonial magic but we get into horror and true crime um and like existential horror um it would be a big overview um you know like the last episode that came out we talked about i don't know if you've ever heard about this mike but uh uh the story of what is basically the uh the japanese truman show of 1998 do you, do you know about this the story of nasubi I saw you post about it earlier, but I don't know. I don't, I didn't remember that or know what you were talking about. Um, so a lot. It's it's. I'm surprised uh, how many people have come across it for being such a dark. Uh, just uh, it's it's a, it's a story that's so dark you could see it and not picking up traction as uh, sometimes these things do, even when they should. But um, I think people are really fascinated by how much of it was captured on film but basically this uh this japanese guy was tricked into um doing it, it was a it was a japanese game show and this shit gets really crazy as as uh as i'm sure most people are familiar with the japanese game shows get real outlandish um and this one was basically locking this guy up in a in an apartment he, he didn't even have clothes he didn't have food all the only action he had was a pillow um a radio index cards and a pencil and he had to win ten thousand dollars in sweepstakes um in order to be let out of the room and it went on for over a year and they told this guy that it was going to be experimental and that they were they did tell him that he was going to be recorded but they said um you know we'll edit this and we'll put it out eventually 
but they ended up like basically there was a small delay because they had to edit some of it but it was live broadcast though to upwards of 17 million people at a time and this guy is you know living off of dog food starving for weeks at a time um it's barbaric it's absolutely insane um but there and and it's dark what he went through but um you know some of the like the archetypal alchemical components um is the guy makes it out on top after all that he uh he starts studying a lot of buddhism he ends up um hiking mount everest eventually and uh he's from fukushima so he's heavily involved in like uh nuclear power and like radiation awareness today um i can't remember his name you know just all the japanese syllables don't jive in my head all the time but his nickname was nasubi which is japanese for eggplant because he was naked the whole time he could never win any clothing so they uh they censored him with a purple eggplant the whole time um so that's like an outlier example um the show because i'm very interested in not only like the dark and you know overcoming that for positive Wait, what, what year is this from this is from 1998. They've been using the purple eggplant since 1998, possibly even before. In Japan, at least, yeah. Jesus, bro. So we stole that, huh? I the guess emoji. so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, there's, with these kinds of things, whether it be the paranormal or occult, there's also a level of, like, surrealism that I am really inspired by. It's deep in my blood. Um, you know, I like psychedelic horror and, you know, experimental things. I also, I really love, um, adult swim. You know, I was practically, um, from the time that I was, you know, reasonably of age, um, I, I was pretty much grown up on it. So, um, I, there's definitely comedic elements to the show as well. And yeah, I don't know before, what I, a metal, uh, is, uh, is it Metalpocalypse? Is that Metalocalypse? Me- yes. Metalocalypse, yeah, dude. Classic. <laughs> One of my roommates <laughs> used to watch that all the time. Uh, I haven't thought about that in years, though. Oh, uh, it's so great. That is a classic, absolutely. Yeah, um, um, yeah shit like that, you know, because um, you know, Family Guys on there, King of the Hill, but like all the all the obscure stuff. Some of it gets really experimental, and it loses me, even me, sometimes. But I love the DIY aspect of Adult Swim. You know, Space Ghost. C Lab 2021, where they they took all these old cartoons and then rehashed them out in these DIY, like really experimental and funny ways. Um, so I definitely it just naturally comes out in the show. Um, like I have um, characters, you know, Martin Ferretti is uh, someone that's been on the show in the past. He uh, he's been on a hiatus, but he's done like the Alchemical Mind podcast and things. He's uh, he's hosted with me. I don't break character very often, but like. You know, I'm not very serious about it either. Um, I have uh, some characters that I do on the show from time to time, like best example being um, a redneck mystic where my voice is just slightly modulated. And uh, he uh, he reads from the Book of Revelations and he uh, he you know, he divines the future through uh, poking um, farm scat with like a fire poker and shit like that. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Sounds man. like T- some oh. Duncan Trussell type stuff yeah yeah you could yeah you could say that for sure um um i i enjoy taking um spiritual and conspiracy theory tropes and things that are just outlandish like david wilcock ufologist um uh you know within the last year or so talked about how he gained telepathic powers from bathing in his own urine um 
So I uh, I made Tippy Patson, we the were do, Mystic, do that. We were going to do a comedy skit with Maurice because he's got that blonde hair, and we were going to put a long blonde wig on him and have him pretend like he's <laughs> David Wilcox <laughs> and have him just like grift a bunch of people, but we never made We should still make it, actually. I you think should, it would, man. I think it still hit hard. But yeah, it was like during the height of uh, Ancient Aliens popularity. So um, These things are are just so ripe for a good laugh um even the genuine stuff and i think it's you know important and healthy to um laugh at ourselves and you know um it, like i said they, these things are so ripe uh there's another bit i like to make fun of that i've made fun of recently where um there's a small group of people online that are convinced that uh bill hicks the comedian faked his own death and became alex jones the Infowars host <laughs> There's people out there that really think that. So, and that's Yeah, I mean like funny. dude, what well, I mean well, growing up, I'm trying to think uh people thought Elvis was still alive, people thought Tupac was still alive, people thought Biggie was still alive. The only one that I will maybe maybe buy and I still probably not true is maybe Andy Kaufman. He made a whole career out of pranking mm. people, so maybe, but probably I think that not. dude's dead, bro. But yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I think that I, I think first of all, they're all gone, but yeah, I think specifically yeah. that guy's dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but so yeah, the show. Check that out if you want to laugh. Like if you want the the last like full on plug I'll do before we just get into some some other crazy shit is um plug it up, go bro. To, uh, you can go to my YouTube channel, Black Hoodie Alchemy. I, I just put some bits up there, uh, like comedy-based, where um, there's all these different characters making fun of a lot of these different tropes. I even had um, Steve Berg, um, a comedian that's been on uh, Drunk History. He was the bartender in the movie Tag, if anybody's seen that. He's been in a lot of uh, uh, supporting roles in a lot of comedy projects. But he went on the show, and he did some improv as well, um, pretending to be a dude, a real life dude that was uh, literally trapped in Tolkien's Middle Earth. So, uh, it, yeah, fun stuff to to mix it up. So, anyway, yeah, drunk um, history is funny. I mean, I haven't seen that in a long time, but yeah, the couple episodes I did watch were pretty funny. It's classic, yeah. It's classic. Um, so yeah, everybody, check out that link. I have uh, his link tree down below. Uh, if you haven't checked out his books, I mean, that's pretty much what what got him on this show is uh, Dive Manual and Hunt Manual. Um, dive manuals more, in my opinion, reading, have read, have read, in, have read them both dive manuals, more philosophically based in my opinion and hunt manuals, more serial killer. Like you said, some of the stuff that you're into, um, and your personal interest and stuff like that. So, uh, recommend them both. And again, his podcast, Black Hoodie Alchemy. Um, yeah, but both very esoteric. Uh, one, yeah, bit more, a uh, bit more positive than the other. I mean, they both, you know, I'm not a, uh, I'm not um, a pessimist by any stretch of the imagination, but I do have dark interests. So, at times, um, like we were talking about the Goblin universe before we started recording. Um, I'd like to tell you about this because I'd like your thoughts. Um, and you said you'd never heard of it. I mean, before. I'd rather hear about this than the Marvel universe. So yeah, go, go, go <laughs> yeah, ahead. Yeah. God, yeah. Um, please stop with the superhero movies. They're they're at the bottom of the barrel with this new Blue Beetle movie, man. Um, but anyway, I don't get me started on that. Um, so the Goblin Universe is uh, it's this uh, classic Fortean book. Um, came out in the 
80s, I believe, um, right around there. And if anyone, I'm sure most listeners are familiar with John Keel, like the Mothman Prophecies, uh, it's very much in that vein, especially if you've read The Eighth Tower by Keel, where he gets into more of like the uh, theoretical physics, if you will. That might be making it too scientific, but um, it's definitely, it's it's sort of a, a, a union um, approach to the paranormal, which is something that uh, Keel was always uh, with like a, he always ran with that pretty heavily. Um, so in that similar vein, you could also throw like Jacques Vallée into the mix uh, for for reference for frame of reference here. Um, Ted Holliday, F. W. Holliday, um, he wrote this book, The Goblin Universe. Um, he was extremely fascinated with the possible um, Jungian slash paranormal underpinnings of things like cryptozoology. But that is really uh, being reductionist about it. It's a weird, like, cornucopia of a book that opens up, and it, it's got all sorts of different material in there. Um, the other important thing to know about the book before you get into it further is that um, Ted Holliday, he wrote the initial draft, and then he passed away. And then his friend, uh, Colin Wilson, which is another well-known uh, Fortean investigator that some people will recognize, um, he, t he got the book with permission from Holiday's wife and then, uh, posthumously published it with some edits and things. And he put his, uh, introduction in there. Um, so it's, it's half baked in a sense. And that's, and, and, the, and it adds to the fun of it. Um, because there's, there are most certainly bits in there that wouldn't have made it, um, if Holiday had published it himself when he was alive. But in, in a way it sort of frees up, I don't know, um, a lot of expectation and um um it like it's a well-written book um but like depending on how far you get into it um like i said there is some half-baked stuff but the best example of uh of the scope of the book is and this could be so like these if you didn't know the character of people like holiday and uh some of the characters in the book that i'll describe in this scene they could almost sound <laughs> like dangerously crazy uh but they were reputable guys and they were doing this experimentally what they did is um holiday went out with a, a a very eccentric catholic priest uh by the name of donald ormond they went out to um loch ness and did a whole exorcism banishing ritual to try and exorcise loch ness from the spirit of the loch ness monster um just to see what would happen um, and, and they said, you know, nothing, we might not get anything out of it, but the, th but the, the, the idea is that if these things aren't physical, if we can't capture them and we can't ever seem to find any physical evidence, but people see them, um, and it's not just a constant trick of the eye, then it, there has to be some sort of, at the very least, if we want to keep it psychological, that leaves us with the idea of like an, a very intense Jungian projection of like a psychedelic trance state proportion. Um, and, and, and then the book goes further uh, down all sorts of different rabbit holes. Like what if this projection process is the fundamental bedrock of paranormal phenomena and so forth. Um, it even gets into uh, the, the story of Gilles de Ray. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this. Um, uh, before I volley it over to you, because I'd like to hear some of your thoughts. Um, this is another example of how wild the book is. 
So Gilles de Rey was um, like a nobleman who fought alongside Joan of Arc. And um, he was very, um, even after Joan of Arc died, you know, he was highly esteemed in his community um, and was like the, the nobleman of the area. Well, eventually he sort of, for reasons not fully understood, descended into total madness and became um, like a full-on uh, like child serial killer. I don't know if it got um, illicit in that way. Uh, like, like I think it really was like a ritual type stuff and he just wanted to see people die. Um, so I don't think it was like a predatory in that like, other kind of sense but it was very sick and it almost like hellraiser ish um and he started getting into like a black magic and alchemy and uh it's a crazy story that the, a, a person so close to joan of arc would descend so far and he was eventually taken down like it was like a swat team like um uh vatican raid of his of his compound for those that are familiar with the hh home story and that guy in the chicago world fair at the turn of the yeah, century the murder castle the murder castle. Jill DeRay had a very similar murder castle. Weren't they making a movie? There's a book called Devil in the White City that's really good about H.H. H. Holmes. Um, about because H.H. H. Holmes was a serial killer in Chicago, like during the Chicago World Fair. Mm-hmm. And uh, there has been some speculation that he's also Jack the Ripper because he had similar access to similar medical tools. It was roughly around the same time, and that dude had been going back and forth. Uh, makes you wonder. So uh, uh, I, there was a couple of shows on it. I don't know if they ever came to that conclusion. I think somebody else came out later and said that their relative was Jack the Ripper or something like that. But I, I mean, who knows? Um, but so that whole thing, that murder cast, like, yeah, that that's some crazy. I mean, how you know that person's mind is broken. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's coming back from, I mean, there's definitely not coming back from that, but not. how do you, is there a way without going down like a minority report route of being able to, you know, like that's kind of, did you ever watch that show on Netflix, uh, Mindhunter? Yeah. Good show. So yeah, I wish that they did another season, but so like Mm -hmm. they are profiling these people and, and coming up with like the types of archetypal things that these serial killers possess in their mind that lead to these things. So I guess like that's, is that the best Avenue or do you think that they're working on some sort of crazier way of like trying to like read people's minds kind of a thing or like, what do you think's happening? Hmm. Are you saying, um, what is the best way to like, what, like, like, yeah. Like what's, what are they doing now to find these? Because you don't really hear, and maybe that's the point, you don't find out till later, but you don't really hear, there's not like the culture of that. Like growing up, we always heard, there was always like unsolved mysteries, this serial killer, you know, like this show or that show, all about these serial killers. And even my wife is like addicted to IDTV and the serial, like that's not as common in terms of like these people doing, I mean, maybe those people are just finding different outlets now, but I mean, doesn't it feel, maybe I'm wrong too. Maybe statistically what I'm saying is wrong, but doesn't it feel like that? Yeah. And that is a very interesting question. Um, so I'm, I'm very interested in true crime. My dad just retired as a detective for the Anchorage police department. he actually worked on, um, you know, one of many people. So don't, uh, no listener take it. Like he was like, 
the one guy like sweating over the case but he definitely worked on the uh the israel keys case which is the like the full-on satanic serial killer of the west coast he traveled and had murder kits stashed all around in these different states of guns and cash and like bondage material and uh he ended up getting caught um well he made it out of alaska but he ended up getting caught for his final murder in alaska um but so because of these things just like the investigative bug in me um very interested in true crime um and especially when you take in like the abnormal psychology perspective like uh the jungian approach you know i you never you never see in any of these true crime shows anyone really getting into like the philosophy of any of it um so and i think that there's a there's plenty of material there that's worth considering um and you know there's no like easy answer to the question that you asked but i've thought about it i've heard other people um consider it and there's an interesting theory that the lead in the gas played a role in increasing the violence in people um um i don't think it could explain all of it uh um not by a long shot but um, when you look at like the height of serial killers, there was like, well, you don't, period. you don't even need to, well, the other thing is you don't even need to go to gasoline too, because in my previous life I was in real estate and you know, there's the lead, pa- uh, lead paint disclosure. So pre 1970, right. I don't even remember the date 72 or something like that. They use lead paint and that made like, you can look it up. It's it, if kids were eating paint chips, it like legitimately lowered their iq so um you know like you said the lead it's obviously not good for the brain um yeah so there is um genuine food for thought considering things like that um but yeah it's not to say it's uh it's fallen off like um i could look it up um maybe i'll look it up while you're talking or something but there is um an like an up-to-date statistic you can get that uh that the fbi has on the average rate of like serial killers in the u.s active at any given point and it's something like i don't know it's it's you know it's dozens at least at any given time so like they're around but also serial killer um is like at least it it could just be as small as like two or three people like at least three usually um, oh really but, that's that's the the men that's the men right there yeah yeah um yeah so what a sick conversation. All right, let's move on to something. I, yeah. You'd bring me down these dark paths and you're so eloquent <laughs> and, and, and upbeat about it. You know what I'm saying? Um, but see, yeah. And, and this is, that's a good point. This is why I like talking about that stuff because I don't always talk about it. And it's not because of like the brutality of any of these things. That's fascinating to me. It's, it's understanding like the victims you know, and how things got there, you know, pay homage to, you know, uh, the victims and the fact that that's not you. Um, and understanding, you know, there is like a, an, I don't know, um, an awareness factor, I guess, understanding the possibilities around you. And then also just being thankful, you know. We've talked about this general. before, too, on one of the episodes. We did like a, mm-hmm. oh, no, it was a Patreon seg- segment we did uh good versus evil and we debated a little bit more philosophically about is there even really like a metaphysical evil or is it just um 
this causal line of a person's shitty life, whether it's genetics mixed with environment, nature and nurture or one or the, uh, you know, like we were going back and forth kind of about all that. I obviously based on like things we know, like that Mindhunter show, which is based on, you know, the FBI's early profiling days and stuff like that, that we know that like certain characteristics, like relate the, the son's relationship with the mother, you know, like things like that, these archetypal things definitely influence further, you know, if the mom shit on the son his whole life or told him he wasn't good enough, like that's obviously a huge factor in a lot of those, you know, big, big name ones. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, again, I, I don't know what to think. I personally, I don't believe there is this, like, when you say good versus evil, I think evil is just error or, like, you know, it's like being addicted, you know, to something bad versus something good. Obviously, it's terrible to be addicted to something bad, but you could live with being addicted to some, you know, do you get what I'm saying? Like, absolutely. I don't think that somebody is just born evil. I think that they're made that evil is made. It's, it's forged like how somebody good or somebody with a great heart or a mother Teresa or whatever, you know? So that's my take on that. I think, um, like I said, I think we did a pretty good job going back and forth. If anybody wants to go check out that segment, but, um, yeah, and your and his book Hunt Manual because that's what a lot of this stuff, um, kind of about. So um, yeah, you know I um yeah it's 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 really interesting to uh, yeah like I said parse through the 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 abnormal psychology of some of these people um, and um, you know it's it's you could get lost in it. I think there is definitely something to be said for um, going down those rabbit holes a little too far. Uh, but yeah, there's, um, I think it's, it, it's important to remind ourselves, you know, the, the possibilities of what's out there. And, and in terms of evil, you know, to put a little cherry on top of that, I think error was a great way to put that. I think that encapsulates so much of it uh, because you know, the whole idea of like right and wrong, good and evil, it's, it's a tenuous line to walk because, you know, can you even really equate right and wrong to good and evil? Because that gets into like empirical statistical accuracy, right and wrong. And do we really want to be um, mincing those words? You know, I think a lot of people equate error with evil. And you can't do one without the other. It's a, it's actually a spectrum in, in where... It's weird because you're you're judged by your peers in society where you fall on that spectrum. And unfortunately, some people fall on the terrible end and unfortunately for their victims as well as their own psychological you know issues. It's just one of those things where, um, again, I don't think it's like a, you're either born a saint or a good person or you're not, they're evil. You know, like, I don't think it's simplistic right. like that or like one out of a thousand people is born evil. Like, I don't think that, or there's something wrong with their brain when they're born. I think, again, I think a lot of it has to do with psychology and the way that these, uh, beings, humans and stuff are, are interacting with their, you know, during their influential years and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. And I, I, I think it's also worth saying, um, you know, from like an alien perspective, 
it wouldn't be inaccurate to say that there's predator prey situations going on as fucked up as that sounds now i am not an alien i don't see it like that um but i think um if you were to take the humanity out of the situation and 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 just look at it i mean you know the weeks you know the weak die off and the and the strong feed on them unfortunately and um um without context you know like the lion to the antelope where's the context in nature you know the 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 humanity that we have is an adaptation that we have um and and it's something very natural and if you lack that you know empathy sympathy these things you know it's a maladaptation something is wrong with you um and you should genuinely seek some sort of medical help at the very least um but it you know it unfortunately um yeah like it, it unfortunately sometimes evil just breaks down to power dominance you know it's just it it's just the lion eating the antelope and um and again that's not to say that there isn't morality and ethics involved um but you know that's in that's what many philosophers would argue separates us from from animals to begin with so um it's a it's a really I fascinating would actually, conversation to that point though i would add on to that i agree with what you just said that is what separates but i also think I was thinking about this the other day and I think I've heard it somewhere, but I think what separates us is our ability to plan and parse time where most things are living instinctually off of everything else. Like we have the ability point. to like plan ahead. And I think that comes into play with what we were talking about. Cause a lot of the shit that these dudes are doing that's messed up is planned years and months and whatever. Uh, in advance um, some of them some of them you know obviously I'm sure there's heat of the moment shit too but um, yeah I don't know it's a messed up thing I try not to like you said go too deep down that rabbit hole plus I have my wife chirping in my ear with all these cases <laughs> and I've seen some of the same cases on different shows that she you know it's like the same thing but just on different vert like you know whatever. I don't know totally I'm not uh, I'm not fully like I said Mindhunter's sick because I think Mindhunter has to do with more of like the psychology and the history behind the profiling that the FBI did to catch some of these serial killers and learn about them and the protocols and all that stuff so um <sighs> But yeah, let's let's pivot though. Okay, if we are you you good or do you want to? Absolutely. You, okay. Absolutely. So I actually because I know you're kind of like a trickster on the UFO topic sometimes, and I was just curious what you and I know you've been hard on uh, UFO Twitter, and I have to some degree sometimes as well. I think you know the drama gets a little much and all that stuff. If it was just information, I think that would be one thing, but. Um, so what do you think about uh, this David Grush guy? Do you think, you know, what he's saying is legit? Do you think he believes what he's saying? Obviously, he's put himself in a position where you can get in trouble if you're lying. So, like, why would you do that if you didn't really believe what you were saying, right? So it comes down to, I think he believes what he's saying. He was told these things or whatever, seen weird things he can't explain or whatever. But do I actually believe those? That's a whole different story. I don't know if what he was seeing is that or not. And I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying that, like, I come from the school of epistemology where that's the theory of knowledge. How do you know what you know? And I guess we'll see if there's more information that comes out or, 
you know, more testimonies or whatever. Um, but yeah, I basically, what do you have to like say about this whole thing or what do you think about it? Um, the, 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 how do I say this politely? The, the UFO community seems to be stuck in an endless loop. It's just like this endlessly recurring psychosis that, that, uh, that bureaucracy has locked everybody in. Um, I don't think it's ever going to change. I've given up to be quite honest with you. Like I was never a ufologist to begin with. I still talk about UFOs. I'm interested in the phenomenology, but as far as the community, um, I, I, I really appreciate everyone on an individual basis. Um, you know, we have a, I've got a lot of friends, uh, many of them mutual friends of ours, uh, that are, that consider themselves ufologists. And I think what they're doing is absolutely great, but like, man, it's, it's, it's truly the same um, opinion I have about politics. I would prefer to see the whole thing burned to the ground. And I'm not, I, I don't necessarily advocate that. Uh, and that's why I'm not a political activist. I don't necessarily think that that's the smartest thing to do, but that's my opinion. That's what I want to see happen. Um, and ufology uh, is just, I don't know. It's, it's very rare that it's not an absolute dumpster fire. Um, and UFO Twitter is the same. Um, so and 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 they're constantly falling for the same bait. I don't know when people are going to be full, but the thing is, they spread the bait out generally, generationally. Excuse me. So it's just you know this guy, uh, he's the he's the same character that these alphabet agencies have dangled in front of everyone. You know, like they they do it every few decades or so, if not more often than that. Um, and yeah, it's just cyclic, man. Um, I don't give a shit what he has to say, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> um, I think that he is, um, he believes what he is saying, but it only takes one person to lie to him, you know, and it, it, everyone's constantly Jedi mind tricking. Well, so, up there so I read something anything. though. Well, hold on. I, I read something that he's saying that he actually saw some stuff too. Like he didn't just like. Yeah. I, I thought what you're saying at first, too. I'm like, oh, well, epistemology, theory of knowledge. What's the chain of causal, you know, information here? Um, because like you said, all it takes is somebody superior or whatever. But at the same time, this dude is putting himself in a congressional hearing, which if he's found to be perjuring or whatever, he can get some serious fucking trouble. Um, right. And, well, and I, uh, by the way, I'm not saying that I'm not understanding what you're saying or sympathizing sure. with your, your sentiments. I'm just merely saying, to me, this is weird from the standpoint of, again, even if he believes everything and he saw something, then, okay, but, like, wh where do we go from here? It, do, are we going to get to see a craft? Are we going to get to touch a craft? I want to talk to, not necessarily me, I'm just saying, or the the media or what I want to see somebody who's actually touched a craft or worked on a craft or firsthand knowledge. That's, that's gnosis. That's not right. speculation. That's gnosis. Um, I want that gnosis. So while people are like, Oh, how much evidence do you want? And blah, blah, blah. blah. Well, I want gnosis. <laughs> I, I, first of all, I don't need this government shit as you're in our documentary uh, about this topic. And You've had UFO experiences. You believe there's something to this phenomenon. You don't know Absolutely. what it is. So, yeah, so I do too. But at the same time, I also am going to use my mind and philosophy to break down these um, 
these verbal like barricades that people put up to like make themselves feel good about their own beliefs and thoughts and things like that. Um, and I try to get to like, is there this objective truth within this? Cause I, I'm, I've given up on trying to figure out if there's an objective truth as a whole. Now I'm just trying to figure out in certain scenarios, is there <laughs> like, you know, cause I could have a conversation with my wife and she could take something completely away from what I'm saying, the way I'm saying it, even though we know each other very well, you know? So, um, again, it comes down to communication. How was this communicated to him? How, what did he see? You know, he saw something or whatever. Did he touch it? Does he know what he was looking at is beyond, you know, the scope of whatever even black ops or black programs or whatever would be at this point or DARPA or whatever. So, for me, I feel the same way about him as I did Bob Lazar. I believe uh -huh. that he believes that he's what he's seen or what he experienced or whatever. But I don't know if that equates to aliens. And I I hope that it does. How how awesome would that be? See, I think that that's what gets lost, too, is, like, not everybody has the same burden of proof. Like, if you're telling me to True. believe something, um, now I do have an open mind. Uh, I'm willing to listen to anybody. Uh, but I'm also very, very, very good at detecting bullshit. And I know when people are like, I've gotten to the point where I know that I've lied to myself about things that I've thought and believed in the past. So when I talk to somebody, I can tell when they're defending their own, you know, but like they don't even believe what they're trying to defend to me, but they're just doing it. Like I pick up on that at this point. Mm -hmm. So um, it's to the, it's, I don't know, man, this whole thing is just tricky. So you think it's it's BS or whatever, but do you think it's possible that the U.S. has some craft or some bodies or something? Do you, like, aside from, like, this back and forth, wishy, are we going to see it, are we not, do you think that there's actually been some sort of craft or bodies or anything like that? Um. Well, this is so, so speculative on my part. But if you just want my, my honest gut uh, opinion you know, from my vantage point on the research uh, and, you know, like my Vegas bet, if I had to say, I don't think that they have anything physical. Um, I think that if there is, you know, because I try to keep things as practical as possible because I think that's the fun of it is showing people all the, the practical empirical facets of all this outlandish, uh, all these outlandish topics and then showing them that, you know, you can use logic and practicality and the, you know, if you're open-minded, those will be the breadcrumbs that lead you outward. It doesn't end there. Um, so that being said, you know, there, my beliefs, I absolutely believe that there are, um, cosmic, you know, forces of nature out there. Um, I don't think that they are, you know, I don't think that they are as like humanized or characterized or physicalized even, you know, as something like a God or an alien. Um, but I do think that there is other autonomous, you know, energetic mechanisms, some of which are likely sentient um, and given proper preconditions, you know, I think that damn near anything unexplainable can fit under those parameters, whether that be a ghost or an alien, you know, it's a kaleidoscope and our brain is trying to process you know, whatever we're experiencing. And to that end, I think, you know, depending on how, um, like, 
serious and how much gravity these things have, then most likely governments have spoken with it or them or some of them to some degree or another. So I am not, I don't take off the table that there is, that the government has some sort of evidence of um, like existentially mind boggling implications of like life or, or intelligence. Um, but I, I, I do, I would fully bet Vegas money on the fact that this whole alien from another planet with physical UFOs is total horseshit. But I could be wrong, and I'm perfectly okay with that. I'm perfectly okay with that. Um, so that that's just, you know, because there's too much bait and switch going on with the physicalization of these things. And the more you look into the psychological components of it, you can't deny that there are some psychological well, that's, components. That's the perfect storm right there is you can... <laughs> People believe in something, yet there's no physical. There might be video, which again, but again, to hold something in your hand or somebody to knock on something or whatever is different than catching something on video or whatever. So, like, to your point, I mean, you know, I agree. That's the perfect storm for, dare I even say it, I don't have to, but to fuck with people's minds is to say, um, this thing might be physical or it might, might not, you know, and we don't know. And you just got to believe that it's there because something's there, you know? So it's like, do I believe that? No, I, I, for, I have thought about this pretty deeply lately. Um, cause I've been hard on myself too, because being part and participating, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm like, anybody on UFO Twitter or anything like that. But I did do a lot of spaces at one point and I do follow everything that's going on and interact with people sometimes. I I just can't imagine, like, how do I want to say this? For this to be completely not true, like completely, like there's no such thing as a UFO. I thought about like, how would, what, how would that look? How would that be possible? Um, and I don't like a physical UFO. Well, no, like how could the idea of a UFO just be a mind virus? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So there's no way at this point. So, so you're right. And that's the conclusion I came to. There's no way that this could just be something that people, and look, I've been harsh on humans. We are basically biological AI. We copy off of one another. There's a causal line between even friends of like, you know, you talk about a movie and then your friend repeats the line. Maybe he repeats it a little differently. And then you get the, the, you know, what's that called? That Mandela. Uh, effect. Mandela. <laughs> so it's like, you know, but yeah. that's really just what that, it's like a game of like, you know, shitty telephone, telephone or whatever. Yeah. So, um, so I've thought a lot about this. So again, we made that documentary, and this all ties into that. I I think there's something to it because I've had my own weird experiences. I've had, I mentioned many times, my orb experience with my dad in uh, his backyard near where O'Hare is. And it definitely wasn't planes. I see planes come and go. The, the 18 years I lived in that area and it definitely wasn't a plane. It was an orb, an orange orb in the sky. Um, so I saw that. I've seen psychedelic entities and um, UFOs and stuff in, in those realms, um, in the past. Um, so what am I supposed to do with that? And a lot of like, 
I have, I found a trip journal, oddly enough, from like my younger 20, 20 nice. years, which I'm going to be doing something with all those at some point. But um, I wasn't even really into UFOs. And I found one where it was like silver disc in the sky. And then I ended up writing like a song about it too. I don't even remember this, by the way. Um, this was, and I have a great memory, but this was like early-ish college years. Um, so, I mean, I was seeing weird shit even back then when I wasn't even thinking about that stuff. So like that whole, you know, do they become machine elves because Terrence McKenna said it kind of a thing. I do believe that to a certain degree, but I do think that there's something else at play here. So I wrote that blog a long time ago um, and I've turned them all into Substacks now. So you can go check it out on our Substacks about the Greek gods. So like this could just be our new version of religion and gods and you don't have to see them to believe that they're there. And um, so that was the mind uh, experiment right there was like, can I, could I believe that this is something that's completely not there? And I, I don't even believe that the Greeks didn't believe that. I just, we know that they were assigning physical and natural phenomena, you know, personalities and, and things like that. But I don't think with what we have at our disposal, the technology and everything, I don't think that's happening. I just think that, I just think whatever this thing is, this other thing, we could be in some sort of controlled, closed system. I know the universe is infinite, blah, 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 but we could be in this controlled, closed system with a creator. I'm not saying God or anything religious, but maybe a simulation creator, maybe a, um, cause think about it. You, you could, if you created, I could totally see what life is as a video game. We make video games based on it's like second life shit, you know, or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Sims or, uh, you know, whatever these world of Warcraft or whatever these games are. So, um, I could totally see the fact that we're doing that. Something else did that to us and we are some sort of, encapsulated artwork or like I said biological AI or something like that so I totally could think of this thing as just some sort of control mechanism that takes on different archetypes through the years based on the perspective at the time kind of a thing um, again not saying there's nothing there not saying it's not important I think we should be dumping billions we're dumping billions into fucking killing other people in other countries we should be dumping billions into trying to find other species on different planets or life in general and I, I know we send rovers but we're not doing enough we're not thinking outside the box enough SETI's a joke um, so yeah I mean I just it's at, it's at the point where um, you know, you have like Avi Loeb who's doing some interesting stuff, you know, so even some people don't like him. So it doesn't really matter what you do. You're not going to please everybody, especially in the UFO circles. Um, they all have their own heroes. Um, but I think you and I are similar. We're on our own Island with this thing. We believe there's something <laughs> to it. We, we've had our own experiences, but we don't assign this like force perspective of it right yeah yeah and you know to uh to be fair um with any large community organization there's going to be this that kind of infighting and 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 just petty politics um but also to be fair it seems to be 
the most prevalent um, in ufology. If we're talking like we we're kind of having a discussion vaguely about this before recording. Like we talked about how the paranormal community, especially you take into account um, like UFOs, they've always had like a, you know, a mild pop culture interest, you know, especially uh -oh. like movies, but paranormal is full pop, baby. Yes, exactly. Paranormal is full pop. Like with the ghost hunter shows were way more accessible before UFO shows. Um, like, you know, just as a iceberg tip of the iceberg example. Um, and it's an easier buy-in, you know, you say, Oh, someone is existing after death. Like, okay, well, I could see that potentially possible. Like, um, it, but then you have to like gods, um, uh, UFOs, physical aliens, harder buy-ins there's more that you have to uh to you know to chew on and there, I think. there's older more occult roots i mean not that there's not a cult it's obviously associated with like ghosts and spirits and things like that but if you really really look at it there's more of like the secretive nature of those components tied mm -hmm. to what you just said and not like ghosts so what people were doing seances in the 19 early you know what i'm saying or whatever like cool that doesn't mean that it was you know the real interesting thinkers have always been talking about the stuff that we've been talking about here so right right um and yeah you know i think to like the whole machine thing and the 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 psychological projection aspects of these things um i yeah i definitely think that there is a a, a that plays quite a, a level you know it's it, it's a big factor in the conversation um but you know, even if these things uh, wear different masks, uh, there's there's something consistent behind them that that trickster surrealist element that calls into question, you know, the the only fundamental nature, I think any fundamental takeaway from the UFO phenomena is the fact that it calls into question, you know, uh, our, our very existence. And I think that, you know, um, Occam's razor tells us that like if that's the only fundamental takeaway that we have even with all this hopeful government disclosure that might be you know that that might be you know the answer right under our nose um see but part part of me real quick before yeah we move on um part of me though for a long time told myself and i still kind of believe this that if if we did have something, all these activists and UFO Twitter and whatever, all going at the politicians and whatever, like the politicians are fucking stupid. They're going to do whatever they think is going to get them votes or reelected or whatever. So unless people, they're blackmailed it, yeah, or that, uh, but you know, the, the, um, but this is an interesting one because this is a public interest and something people have been curious about since we've been curious about, you know, being able to see, you know, like knowing we're life on this planet and it's this, you know, big rock hurled through space. You know, since we figured that out, we've wondered, oh, is there other rocks with other beings being hurled? Or, you know, so it's just, it's, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's just one of those things where um, it's such a difficult thing because at the end of the day, there is so much like fuckery and you're just like, oh, I hate this, you know, but at the other end of it, it's like, I do want to know. And I feel like, um, 
Yeah, man. It's just we might not ever we probably won't ever get that answer in this. I hope I'm wrong, like you said. And I say that all the time. People want to come at me or you don't believe this or think this or whatever. I'm happy to be wrong. And if I'm wrong, I'll call myself out. I do it on many episodes. If you go back and watch a bunch of mind escapes, you'll see me calling myself out or saying I was wrong about this or wrong about that. Um, Now, it's not often. But it does happen. Let me tell you what it's all about. Hey yo, these scary cops and robbers Stock nine minis, glocks and rockets Surrounded by city spots, city blocks and projects The object for silly props is logic Cause big willies clocking profits Be copping pretty rocks and watches Live in the midst of intimate problems Infants dismissing no scholarships And the wish for infinite dollars They link with ballers To these kids, the mission is lawless Sinking but never blink So they think their vision is flawless All this hell is well in my dome It got me prone to these coke selling zealous Yo, cause hell is my home This hell is my own Let chrome embellish my bones And end the bass and jealous but the cell is my zone, I know these options The only slide is my lonely conscience I blow these toxins for these topics to hold me hostage My optics coldly show me it's lowly contents I'm just another brother that struggles with all these constants I'm lost sometimes Before the line with the stars in the dark Through my thoughts and rhymes Then I rise like the sun Full moon controls the top by the slums For the flocks who live and die by the guns Flying through this broken sky Going nowhere in a hurry Vision blurry from the cold can lie You're in my mind, I get lost sometimes But then I find I'm really trying to leave yeah. it all Yo, behind. It's all about the Benjamins, not the sentiments nowadays. This life can make you demented, depending on how it plays. What? This vital stage has got us violent with primal rage. Modern age, steadily raised the global like tidal waves. Yeah, it's all about the bitches and clubs. Digging your funds, youngest in the crib, neglected, making living in drugs. Slip through the slums with plots of cops and pistols and guns. Dodging cops and sticking victims up with crystals and crumbs. Now they stuck with double figures in jail, awaiting bail. Sights to plague is trying to slake if nightly praying they fail. How to trace the might to pick them is frail. Fitting like a minute in the prison system is a swift as a snail striving only for respect fuck success trying lonely from distress depressed trying boldly to repress it's best you listen closely for becoming the next head for bread dying slowly from regretting your death bad it's dead with the stars in the dark through my thoughts and rhymes then i rise like the sun full moon controls the top by the slums for the flocks who live and die by the guns flying through this broken sky going nowhere in a hurry vision blurry from the cold can lie you in my mind i get lost sometimes but then extra it's never the roots texture it's only the decadent fruit juice that gets you yo to me it's all the same because life is beautiful before it's the pain like a gorgeous orchid with an awkward frame this shit is awesome but it's all the strange the way it offers blossoms that it brought with yo, rain homie you think my about mind, that i get lost sometimes before the line with the stars in the dark through my thoughts and rhymes then i rise like the sun full moon controls the tops by the slums for the flocks who live and die by the guns flying through this broken sky going nowhere in a hurry vision blurry from the cold can lie you in my mind i get lost Sometimes, but then I find 
I'm really trying to leave it all behind. Yeah, yeah. Howdy do, everybody. It's your good old friend Tippy Patson here from the, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And behold, for I have something to to lay upon you. Okay? Um recently I uh, I smoked this uh this drug called uh, uh a basuco. It's from Colombia. Uh my buddy gave it to me. It's cocaine paste. You see? Um and I recently been doing some of this and um it occurred to me that last night after some Google searching, um what happened to me after smoking some bazooko was um I achieved Tibetan rainbow body. How about that, y'all? Yeah, my body shrank, I got all real tiny. Uh I started like emitting rainbows from my body and like I smelled really good as they say. Uh, that the people do and dang old man I even you know I didn't die I'm good I'm still good right here but I even lost a few pounds so I was thinking you know how about I just go dang old on and sell uh, Tippy Patson's Rainbow Body Weight Loss Program dang old man that's right you know shed a few pounds the, the Tibetan Buddhist way and uh, you know you can go to my website um uh, Timmy Patson and all that, or you can dial 1-800-SPACELORS.COM uh, for more info. Now, um, a part of this is uh, you need to know more about this bazooko drug, okay? Um, it's very interesting, and uh, it helped me in the whole process of achieving Rainbow Body. Uh, and it's, like I said, it's a cocaine paste. Um, it's extracted, not in laboratories, but like good old fashioned, like in people's kitchens and stuff. And it's, uh, it's, uh, extracted and dissolved with, uh, things like gasoline, sulfuric acid, chloroform, kerosene, uh, acid from car batteries. And then it's, and then it's cut, you know, to make bigger, uh, and give it a little bit of a punch, um, with Ajax, uh, talcum powder you know ground up bricks or cornstarch and things like that and on the streets they call it things like uh suzuki uh banana little devil and freckles so it's a real dang old fun thing to smoke and it tastes real good y'all so you know smoke some bazooko and uh you know partake in tippy patson's uh rainbow body weight loss program y'all come on let's do it together we'll uh we'll be small tiny people uh, with a rainbow body away, and then we'll, you know, it'll be a good time. All right, take it easy, everybody. And uh, I found this great old website called Crypti Crypto Wiki. It's a great website where anybody can go and add their their uh, super truthful things that they're trying to get across. And uh, you know, I made a dang old list. I'm gonna dang old read through this list right here for you, and then we're gonna get into some more of these uh, creatures, okay? So we got a, um, we got a, a wunk, we got a ghost camel, uh, we got a barnacle tree, 
We got a, a dang old wild man at Aberdeen. <laughs> I dang, I used to know a wild man at Aberdeen. Um, we called him uh, Philip. And he sure was a crazy man. He could party till the till the sun came up. I tell you what, boy. Um, uh, we also got a lizard man, a cat man, a grass man, a hat man, a metal man, a hog man, a squid man, a merman, a pig man, a gray man, an ice man, a donkey man, a mantis man, uh, a Florida man, and a man man, which is actually an old uh, Chinese duck man from mythology man man so we got a whole lot of mans there um let's see we got uh, all sorts of gators like a bassa gator and a dog gator uh we got a fiji mermaid oh we got something sounds pretty suggestive called the yukon beaver eater we got a couple of sea creatures from the uh, dang old pacific northwest there called bobo and colossal claude yeah, we got uh, dang old ghost camels and phantom kangaroos, uh, Matlocks, the giant. Uh, I guess he was also the inspiration for that cop TV show. We got Miracle Mike, the headless chicken. I know y'all know that one. Uh, Jeff, the talking mongoose. Uh, the terror beast. We also got your uh, your ding bats and your ding bells. Uh, we got the not deer. Uh, uh, reportedly Drake, the rapper, he's also crypto. Uh, we also got your elephant birds, your cockatrices, your, your sand squinks, and your squonks. Uh, we got your aforementioned skunk apes, your sky serpents, your sugar monkeys, and pee-pee monsters, your philomaloos, and, uh, your cow-eating and man-eating trees. Uh, the, uh, the continent of India is reported to be a crypto. Um, man, you also got your giant, uh, very, varieties, um, like, like, uh, a giant anacondas, giant bats, giant bush babies, uh, giant catfish, giant dragonfish, giant goldfish, giant squid, and giant jellyfish, uh, giant roosters, um, gigolo whales, apparently. Uh, and also, uh, the scientist Sam Harris is, is a crypto. Yeah, so, um... NASA, not particularly government funded, but these like uh, affiliated um, government uh, scientists like Carl Sagan was loosely affiliated with the project before it went really off the rails. Um, uh, so like, oh, the, and I, yeah, no, to, to your point, that kind of reminded me of like some, uh, it, uh, uh John C. Lilly. St type stuff with the, the yeah, that's the dude there yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um they, they were they were pumping they were injecting dolphins with lsd to try and communicate with them telepathically uh and this was nasa funded money because they thought that that might help them communicate with uh extraterrestrials that didn't even have evidence officially existed yet 
Uh, and then if that wasn't crazy enough, they actually got, uh, they were on like a remote island and they got a local woman from the island to start being a little bit sensual with these dolphins to try and get them to communicate better um, in the studies. And then they ended up writing a Hustler magazine article about it and everything. I, I shit you not. Um, so yeah, the John C. Lilly, that's where we get the deprivation tanks. He was injecting himself with yes. intramuscular ketamine and reaching these insane levels of, of consciousness where he was interacting with these beings in this bureau and all sorts of shit. So yeah. 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 Everybody can look into it, but yeah, John C. Lilly was a wild man. Um, yeah, it's it's a story that sounds like um, like some dudes, you know, took like a little more than a micro dose of LSD and then like wrote it for Adult Swim or something. But it's super true. And um, oh, I yeah, know what like, I was going to real quick. I want to get my point out. Yeah. I, I hate cutting you off and I got to work no. on cutting people off because I'm bad at it. Um, but I, I wanted to get I didn't I was doing a roundabout thing to get to my point. And I never got to it, which is. <laughs> I believe that this stuff is good in the sense that if we do have something, these activists and stuff, I think this is our best shot of like uncovering it. I will say, though, we think that they have this crazy technology that's probably the biggest paradigm shift. It is bigger than the, the Manhattan Project or the invention of the atomic bomb, and we're just going to tell the, the, the public about it or... You know, people will say, oh, well, they're just going to tell you whether it's true or not. But then how do we know, like, we we can see the devastation of Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Like, you can see the physical, you can go to the Trinity site, you can go to, uh, you know, New Mexico and see, uh, you know, um, you know the, the spots where they did all the testing and stuff like that. So... <sighs> I just, is there an Oppenheimer that we don't know about within the government? I don't know. Like for UFOs, like, I don't know. Is it possible? I guess, but they're cherry picking this person out of a university that, you know, it won't see the, I don't know, man. I just, I, I have a tough time believing I know people and I've talked to some really smart people on this podcast and I have a really tough time believing that there's somebody that's just that next level that can take apart a UFO and understand it or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Uh, where would so, you, first of all, where would you even begin? Right. But again, I think that the activism is good. Cause if that does exist, I'm fine with those people trying to, I mean, it could be worse, right? Like these people want truth. That's not what I would be doing, but I'm not going to poo poo them either. If that's, you know, right. like I said, politicians are getting, you know, if they're using, oh, look, politicians are involved now. Like, that's not a good excuse because those people will get involved if they smell, you know, chum in the water. So that's not a good enough excuse for that. But if you're saying you're using them to see if there's anything there, I think that that's a good that's a good plan, actually, if there is something there. Um, yes, 100 percent. But and so that's more. So power that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of where I I lie on that whole topic right there is i am fine with those people doing it like i said we should be investing billions into the search for extraterrestrial life um and i think people would feel less willing to just believe anything if they knew that we were putting our best resources our best minds our best teams together to you know and if that if it is all around us you know and these things are landing and crashing and shit everywhere those people will find it or they'll find a way to quantify it you know like that's what 
human beings do. We adapt and we, you know, come together and figure things out. So again, those are just my perspectives on it. I, I hear you. I, I resonate with yours. I just had to get that out because I haven't talked about this since all this shit came to fruition the last few weeks. But yeah, man, I, I don't know. I'm just done with the whole... I'm paying attention, but I, I just, the day-to-day shit, the day in and day out and minutia, I just can't follow it anymore. Yeah, man, it's not worth it. You know, it's, it, it you can be um, just as active in the research and the potential understanding of the phenomena and just, yeah, I, I think community is a great thing, uh, but it has the potential to um, really snowball and this is not a specific diss at ufology uh, so much as it is um, all organizations in general but when things get um, too embedded you know it seems like they become too small like a too insular or too large um, they uh, you know things get cultish and um, and even if they're not directly cultish like everyone you know in robes sleeping in a compound you know we get these echo chamber mentalities and um, you know, I've said it before, but, uh, you know, for whatever it's worth, I think, uh, we have to take into account the, the obvious psychological aspects here. Like you look at those charts of global UFO sightings, and it's just so overwhelmingly in the U S and, um, I don't think that discounts the phenomena, but I also think that to not take that into account in part of the explanation would be a huge error. Um, so yeah, I just don't really know. Uh, and, and, and I think that trusting the government for some level of gnosis is, uh, not something I'd recommend to anybody. Um, Well, that's what I tweeted out the one day. Um, and I got a little pushback, which I expected, but you know, it's, it reminds me of like needing the mediator to God and having the priest, you know, it's just the modern day. I completely agree. And look, I can say that about other things too. Yes. Needing a shaman, you know, or needing this or need like there's a lot of things. You, but I just that's what comes to my mind because I was raised um, Catholic um, until I became self-aware and was like, well, how could these people just be right? And everybody else is wrong. That doesn't make sense to me. So um, logic won out. <laughs> um, and by the way, I'm a spiritual person. I still believe that there's some higher power energy or thing, something out there. I felt it. I've experienced weird things, but I won't go as far as to say it looks like, you know, this dude looks like Zeus, you know, or, um, you know, whatever people think there's 10 of them or what, you know, I don't know. I just, this is just one of those things where I don't know how you think about it, but I just, I have the perspective, like I said, that the, the, this government thing just feels First of all, it feels like politics has now dipped its hand into every single aspect of culture, which it used to not be. Um, and I think that's why you see so much fighting, too, aside from people just right. seeing all this information they weren't used to before and seeing how other people think. And Yeah, know, I've got an like issue that. with politics being in everything. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't need to be. And there's some sort of line that people have been fed. I don't know where it came from that, like, everyone on social media has to be part of the fight for something against something. And like, you always have to be voicing your opinion. And if you're not, you're part of the problem. I mean, you got to stand up for certain things, but, but uh, I mean, look at what we have now. 
I mean, it's clearly not the answer. Um, right. It's, yeah. Well, so, I think we're in the the infant days of the internet still. Yeah. We don't think of it like that, but these are growing pains. These are again, we went from don't talk about. There's a reason why they used to say don't talk about politics or religion at the dinner table <laughs> or at a party uh-huh. or whatever because that shit starts fights and now uh-huh. you're seeing everybody talk about it all the time and all it's doing right. There's is a time and fights. a place. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just simple logic that this is kind of where we're at and this is why we're at. And I've mentioned it many times before too. There's a certain amount Plato knew about this shit thousands of years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. The heuristic rhetoric, which is the wanting to argue just to win an argument without actually trying to arrive at truth, you know, just using language and, um, you know, rhetoric to kind of come at people and dismantle them without actually having a, you know, good faith debate or back and forth or dialogue or whatever. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. I think that uh, it's like I said, we're just hopefully we'll figure it out. But I don't know this technology. I watched some documentary on Netflix about military application and ai and this this i don't know if you've seen this thing it's pretty crazy Mm-mm, not yet check it out Tell me I'll, about fi- it. I'll try and find the name of it but yeah just you know all your basic those like dog robot things that like shoot people or like dude they have drones that <laughs> that will execute without human intervention but they can't use them because of like war rules or whatever but the the technology exists where that thing will find the person and just take them out without. Oh my God. And look, I play, I love call of duty. I play ranked call of duty all the time. And some of the stuff to me, I'm like, this is, I don't know. I feel you, man. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's, uh, it's crazy to say that, um, uh, you know, video games are creating, sociopaths or psychopaths but there's also something to be said about desensitization and the normalization of things that maybe shouldn't be normalized it's a fine line with art in general dude these bugs i'm gonna lose it dude i went from living in apartments in chicago and now i'm back in the the wild here of michigan and now there's bugs (laughs) everywhere i'm I'm (laughs) swatting at flies to get off my ring light and stuff um yeah you got to get some fly tape buddy (laughs) yeah um so I just that I don't know to me that that's why it's scary. I think we don't even have to use AI for any of the military stuff. So like the fact that like we're sca- we're like scaring ourselves. So like people are worried that AI will do this and that and have the codes without any we're doing it to ourselves right now. Like that's what they're working on first with it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I don't know. I just if you're interested in that stuff, I would watch this documentary. It's kind of interesting, but we'll do AI is uh, very scary. Um, it's something that I can't understand like in terms of, I, I don't know. I'm not familiar enough with it. Like, cause it hasn't been around with the grand implications. Like, I don't know how to sift through my gut reaction on whether or not like how reactionary or, uh, I'm being or not, uh, but it's definitely, um, it's a sketchy thing that we're going to have to use to learn responsibly. Um, but on the bright side, I will say that, you know, candidly, I am very much enjoying all these uh, AI songs that are coming out. 
<laughs> have you heard, you know, like, uh, there's a, I, I heard Peter Griffin, uh, rap in the end by Lincoln park. Uh, the other, Oh, day. I believe it. Yeah. I've heard, uh, I forget what it was like a new Nirvana song, but obviously, I mean, that's not possible. So what they did was take their like style and like applied it to a song. Right. And, and that as fascinating as that is, that shit is creepy. Like they took a Drake, uh, AI and then they made a song and then Drake and his record label, um, went after the the youtuber and it's it, like these laws are actively being written um so it's kind of history in the making and i could give a fuck about drake but uh it is definitely history in the making and uh and it's weird to be doing like especially with like kurt cobain to be making new songs like there's gonna have to be some some reasonable laws protecting people uh with that but i am all for uh ridiculous memification um like what is some other ones? I heard Plankton from SpongeBob singing uh, "The Rooster" by Alice in Chains. It, it was amazing, dude. Like, so I'm I put my stamp of approval on some shit like that. But now people are like writing full college papers. I don't even know what I would do as a college student right now. I don't know how anyone, any college student, has the motivation to even try anymore. Um, honestly, I mean, unless you like really need to learn. There's some things you really need to learn, like on a technical level. Otherwise, you're not going to make it. Oh, 100%. Um, but, well, yeah, yeah, doctors, yeah. lawyers, yeah, like. But there's anything... so much you can bullshit through college. No, but and, all those, like, vocational, now. like, dude, you can't bullshit your way as a doctor. But, yeah, I mean. It's true. Uh, maybe a few have, like, some super intelligent people that just tricked a bunch of people. I don't know. I think there's been a few of those. I've seen some true crime stuff on that. But. Yeah, um, now that you mention it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <sighs> Yeah, I mean it's it's we're we're in a brave new world. Um, mm-hmm. Aldous Huxley, uh, that dude, another dude ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, man. I I think all this stuff is like partly it's cool, but partly it's not original. And like even the the chat bots and the you know all the stuff, they're not th- they're just taking things that already exist they're not coming up with something completely original or new i think that the and we don't for the most part either but i part like some small part of me thinks it is possible to, to break that causal line and to really transcend um like really truly have like free will in the sense or like free will art or free will creativity where it it it, it has never existed before. Yeah, I th- I think so. I think so. I think uh, there's a huge ebb and flow to free will. And I think that we don't, It it's a muscle you got to exercise. Um, and, you know, there's, there's plenty of room for debate on how much hold we ever have on free will. It could be just a tenuous grasp at any given time at best. But uh, I think there's something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, man. Um, I think, yeah, it's, uh, I'm always going to love this stuff because, um, I love the surrealist quality of it. There's people that are just hell bent on trying to understand the truth, um, or even gnosis for that matter, which I am very much an advocate of, but in the long run, I, I just enjoy being a student of the game. Um, it's, as cliche as it sounds like it is about the journey. Um, I'm never really expecting to have answers so much as I 
am expecting to gain context, I guess, you know, um, there's always so much to learn about the world around us. And then like wisdom to be, um, extrapolated from that knowledge, especially over time. But in terms of answers, like, you know, you could get an answer to a math problem, but, um, these things it's odd to me that so many people in ufology the paranormal uh even the occult are so fast or like so hell-bent on getting concrete answers because um i can't imagine why you would get into any of these subjects with that in mind it seems like such an untenable idea um and 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 you know people will and and certainly can disagree with me on that but the biggest point that I think you would have a harder time disagreeing with is that that's a fundamental basis of the phenomena at large. This is sort of, this is the motif of the goblin universe. This is what I talk about in Hunt Manual a lot. Um, it's a very Jungian sentiment. You know, there's many, many people. It's it, it's it may not be a mainstream idea, but it's not an underdeveloped idea at all, and it's one that has a lot of weight. And until we start yeah um considering um yeah these these uh, these deeper implications we're we're never going to have the full picture um and um well what um, you said though the whole why would you get into that if you know like that's a weird knowing like so you're under the assumption though that these people are under the the they understand the philosophy of science that everything is going to like when you say it it sounds so simple to say everything you know is either going to be built upon, altered, or completely changed and proven wrong within a hundred years. When you say that, it sounds crazy, but it's true. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you're under the assumption most people don't think about that or think that way. And I know because I used to be one of those people. And now when I bring it up to other people, like, what are you talking? And like, they, it makes sense to them. They're not like, I don't believe you. That's not true. It's like, okay, who cares? They don't even think about it in the context of like how or why it should matter so um yeah I mean, people were drinking um uh like water with radiation as a health craze you know not that long ago and giving themselves cancer um like that there, there's commercials and everything it was like back in the 20s or something like that you could google it um science is don't get me wrong i'm not saying that science isn't useful and that it's not something that's essential but uh science is not the end all be all um and um, if you look at the historical scale of the scientific method, I mean, you can see it's just as heuristic as anything else, really. Um, and it's perspective that's key. Not in perspective as in like it's all, you know, positive and negative is mentality. It's like that Buddhist vantage point where, you know, knowledge, I, I don't I don't even know if I've ever really tried to explain it in this way. So let me see if I can get it out. But I've used the word vantage point a lot in a context of understanding things and you know knowledge many times it has it has a sort of like four dimensional scope to it it really depends on where you are where you're located with it like um psychologically emotionally there's a lot of factors um you know and especially when you take on uh when you consider like a sociological historical scale there's so many factors that go into these things um um that are always changing um Sure, it's not like there isn't. I do believe that there is an objectivity to the world around us. You know, it's not just all in our heads. I'm not a solipsist, but um, it's this sort of um, Gertian 
uh, methodology to the world around us where, um, you know, Gautier, Goethe, oh, there's several different ways you could pronounce his name. Um, but similar to Newtonian and like Cartesian. Good old Gertie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 Goethe had his own methodology of science. And the easiest way to explain it is that um, it was very similar to Newton. It was very empirical, but the the, the big difference there was uh, Goethe said, we will never have an, a fundamental understanding of like what we're trying to grasp with the scientific method until we understand and utilize the human psyche and experience as the first and foremost fundamental tool in understanding it. The scientific method as we have it now is completely bent on taking humanity out of the equation because they're concerned that this is going to mess up the control methods. It doesn't have to be, it, it, there doesn't have to be a conflict with control methods or anything like that. It's a much deeper philosophical principle. And, you know, we could get into that more if we really wanted to, but it is, um, if you're going to pinpoint something, having hum the human being as a scientific instrument is having an active participation in the in the studies and following, you know, I guess consider it like a scientist being a lot more of a, of a detective than, uh, than a journalist, if that makes sense. Um, and I think that, um, um, if we were to take that approach to, um, yeah, to a lot of these unexplainable topics, whether it be ufology, et cetera, uh, I think things would come into focus a lot more. I don't know what that yeah, focus well, would I be. Mean to, to, to your point, though, I mean, science is great, but it's also, like, not able to an answer some of the fundamental questions. So, like, science, and I always say this, is great at telling us how things work, science and engineering. But it's not great on telling us why, right? So then that, you know, people even try say, to tell us why. Right. Really. So, like, people will say, oh, well, why does it matter? It doesn't mean anything anyways. We created it. We assigned value to it, blah, 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 blah. But then what about all the other stuff that has this built-in value? So it's like we could, again, that's a whole different topic. I don't want to get into that fully. But um, I just wanted to graze past that a little bit and just point out that, um, yeah, I, I think that when we're talking about metaphysics and the nature of reality and how things interact with one another and our understanding of it, there's a reason why people do theoretical physics. There's a reason why people are into metaphysics. There's a, like, we're, we have five senses, but there's a whole spectrum of things that we can't see and hear and um, even process, you know, at this point. So, like, we're under the impression we're this fully built, you know, top-notch machine. You know, yeah, our brains are supercomputers, but they're also flawed. You know, people people's memories are flawed. People's They've got cognitive biases. They've got Dunning-Kruger. They've got confirmation bias. They've got all sorts of things going on. So if you're not honest with yourself, I think for me, learning philosophy and then being brutally honest, not just about like, not some sort of Cartesian about like the nature of reality and, and, you know, whittling it down to a demon controlling my mind or something like that, but just more in, in, in the, the vein of honest about like 
do I want this to exist and that's why I'm pushing so hard or like, am I going to confirm my own bias here? And so like when I became very aware of that and like myself and my own intentions and things like that, I think that's why when I talk about these topics, these mysteries, whether it be UFOs and mysteries of the mind and psychedelics and ghosts and aliens and de whatever, I think, people are protective over these things for, for mm -hmm. good reason. These are the, the final frontier, if you will, of, of what we can know or whatever. You they know? truly so. are. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, aside from like the Marianas trench, the deepest depths of the ocean uh, and the, and the furthest reaches of space, you know, um, like we've, we've checked out most of the globe. Like we, it's almost, um, you know, people make that like the comment about like, can you run out of music to make like there's only so many notes you can play. So like we kind of live in this like post era where everything seems running out and, you know, like a derivative and there's all these remakes and like, yeah, it uh, it seems to be in many ways a sign of the times. Oh, man, I'm so sick of remakes and rehashes and things that were made yeah. like 30 years ago they've made five times like how many i love batman like the original and i love the nolan one and you know the new ones whatever but like and i'm not a big like suit like i guess technically and i've been told this by some super nerds batman isn't even a superhero because he doesn't have superpowers so yeah, um, but uh, but bat how many how many Batman's can they make? How many Spider Man's can they make? You know, like how many of these? In, in not even just that they've remade classic movies too, and it's just they'll keep remaking them because it keeps making money because people keep you know all people crave is the hero's journey or some sort of archetypal experience. And what are writers doing if they have to keep rehashing that? Are none of these people creative enough to come up with their own shit? Or is that not what's selling, you know, are, is it, is it a bad managerial thing happening in like Hollywood or these production companies where they're just picking bad shitty projects or they're rehashing shit because it makes money? Like, is it bad like that? Or is it, um, people are just terrible at creating or new things. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, man. Um, you know, there's definitely great artists out there still. Um, and it's, you know, it's a conversation worth having because it, I think it's, you know, a symptom of like, you know, where the collective consciousness is at in general. Um, but um, it also, I think there's this weird and uh, it, it seems to kind of come from the whole like Marvel Cinematic Universe thing. And I was raised on Marvel Comics specifically. So as a as a, an old school fan that still got plenty of comics in his collection, uh, I can honestly say that I was sick of oh, all these movies. By years the way, ago. I'm not talking shit to anyone specifically. I'm just like sick of the whole sure. thing. Like, yeah. like Maurice, as everyone is Maurice even, is a is fans. a big, uh, you know, Marvel or comic book guy. Back in the day, we'd go to the, the comic book shop. I'd get, you know, high collected hockey cards and stuff. And he'd get his Magic the Gathering and his uh, comic books and stuff. So it's like I'm not against it or anything like that. I'm just sick of these movies and this constant churning of this machine of shit. You know, right? Yeah, because the, the the big trend, other than just the superhero thing, was the the whole cinematic universe thing, and now everything has to be connected to everything. And and I I really I, I you see uh, remakes ramp up after that, and I think you know it was just this safe bet 
with art in general, not just movies, but it's just like, let's just bank on nostalgia. Um, we got to work with something that's pre-existing that way we can build off of it because it makes people feel comfortable, makes uh, they recognize it. They feel familiar. It's very nostalgic, you know, so let's just keep remaking these movies over and over and over again. Um, and um, yeah, I, uh, I, I think, you know, people, unfortunately they buy into it all the time. Um, and, and that's why, I you mean, know, what, that's why what's I'm his face took the most heat. What's his, uh, Scorsese. I, that dude is the one of the best filmmakers of all time, and mm-hmm. they even came for him. It's like if you should respect anybody's opinion on film, it should be his, in my opinion. Um, yeah, and I completely agree with him at this point. Um, um, they're hardly movies uh, <laughs> at this point, honestly. They're uh, it's uh, it's it's sad. Um, but to go back around to what we we're saying, um. I think that that's why, you know, that's why I absolutely love all this unexplainable phenomena, all the things that we seemingly will never get questions to because it's, it's like a living story, man. Uh, it, the truth is stranger than fiction. Um, why would I go and watch the latest fucking Ant-Man when I can read about a real life dude that was gutsy and crazy enough to go out and try and exercise Loch Ness from the monster. Like <laughs> you can't make that up. Like, well, and if you in all, did in make all it fairness up, though, I Ant-Man, because I think Paul Rudd, for, there's something likable about him. I don't know what it is, but Paul Rudd is great. I do love Paul Rudd. I could watch Ant-Man. Actually, my wife's can't even look at bugs. That's how <laughs> crazy it is with her. I don't care. I, you know, whatever I'll, you know, I do my thing with bugs, but, uh, she can't, she can't even watch Ant-Man. So yeah, I don't know. Um, well, that seems, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't think like she's not, not a rachno, <laughs> it's not arachnophobia, but it's something in that, in that realm. I think, I don't know. I'm sure there's a word for it. Yeah. Bugophobia. <laughs> um, well, but, what's the, yeah. it's, it's, uh, Adam, uh, is it entomology? Yeah, I think is it entomology, something like that. Anyway, sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. No, um, but yeah, like I said, I, uh, you know, art is it, it, when used properly, it can feed into this sort of reflective process of us understanding ourselves and the world around us. But obviously, it could just be so much of a distraction. Um, and yeah, um. I don't know. I'd be happy to, you know, uh, go down any other avenues you'd like to go down before we go, man. But I'm trying to think anything else. And, you know, you're trying to wrap up general. mind. Escape, well, bro? you know, <laughs> I don't want to uh, to to drag on on my account. Dude, but how you got rude, more bro. that you'd like to ask. Me, I've got nowhere dude. to be. I've been told by many people I talk too much. So, I mean, whatever, bro. I don't, you know, um, yeah, I mean, look, I don't want to be up here being like, um, uh, what next? So you do whatever you want to talk about. I'd be happy to, but like, you know, the no, Goblin I mean, we touched universe... on. I don't want you to do anything you don't want to do, and obviously, you just can't <laughs> wait to get out of here, bro. So, um, <laughs> no, no, uh, no. Okay, so <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, and I don't want to talk about like it was good or better, but like your dot, like you and the doc, like when you saw the documentary, cause I just, I want to get everybody's take who was like in it and stuff. Like, did you like, cause I've never been in something like that. So like, I can't imagine 
my experience being like applied to other people's experiment uh, experiences mixed with like you know some sort of overview type thing happening you know so like what was it like did did we represent your story and your thoughts on it you know in a way that you appreciated like that kind of a thing yeah i'd be happy to get into it um i thought the documentary was great um i thought it covered it it, it had a great flow uh where everything you know it could have seemed disjointed um given the subject matter of basically ufos psychedelia and the sort of comparative religious philosophical component um but you got it 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 went through the whole process very well um and as i recall i i you know i thought it was pretty cool um that i happened to be uh, like the the small pivot point going from um some ufo sightings into like the next step of uh, the the philosophical bit before we uh, we got more into the psychedelics. So I thought that was great. Um, my only critique for myself is I'm my own worst critic, and I you know I was happy with how it, it turned out. Uh, but doing more like especially now that I've done my own podcast, I'm like almost sixty episodes in. I wish I'd been just a little more emotive. Um, but you know it uh it's it was so. It was so cool. Um, and I don't think I was monotone or anything like that. Like I said, my own worst critic. Um, but it was so cool to be a part of that process. Um, like, you know, just candidly. Um, and then I'll talk about the the documentary a little more. Just a little bit of appreciation to you guys and everybody else that, that uh, made it happen. Um, just being a part of it, you know, and like having that on my resume um, is fantastic you know not for any like bragging rights but just getting in there and being a part of things and uh um you know at this point like i said i've 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 done some work with steve berg of drunk history i've uh there's there's all sorts of like authors and researchers you know um pd newman you've had him on the show you open up his books and it's like shit this could be you know my books are legit but um like this could be like a college book. Like you could read this in a class right here. You know, just all the people that I've come uh, in contact with um, makes it all so worth it. Like getting, just getting in the mix with all these things. And, um, um, you know, it's not like a Hollywood movie, nor would I ever aspire to do anything like that. But um, I tell you, it was, it was really trippy for the first time other than like, some like random bullshit on YouTube. Um, I seeing myself on the other side of the screen, you know what I mean? Like it was an actual documentary. It was an actual movie. And that was me in there with a bunch of people. So, you know, thank you. And, um, you know, to anyone that hasn't seen it, I, I, I genuinely recommend it, uh, because it really did cover if someone doesn't know, um, like if they just understand UFOs as nuts and bolts aliens from Mars and you're trying to understand trying to explain to them the whole Jacques Vallée John Keel open-ended perspective um and you're not trying to have like a long conversation over some drinks or something like that like this is this is it just show them this documentary it really covers the whole gamut and then um you know uh, allows you to sort of go off from there so it could be a great introductory to anyone that's unfamiliar with these like more philosophical concepts of the ufo so 
I mean, that's pretty, yeah, that, that'd be my take on it, buddy. Right on. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, of course it was, um, no brainer, you know, having you in there. Um, obviously since you had your own experiences, but also we, you know, I, we love your takes on this stuff and you know, you're like, I've told you many times you're very wise beyond, you know, your actual age. So, um, you know, just keep, keep doing what you're doing. Um, yeah, I mean, Appreciate look, it, the idea with the, the the documentary was like, how can we make a UFO slash like esoteric UFO slash altered state documentary um, for people that are already into these topics, but also, like you said, break it down in a way that maybe they're only familiar with like physical cases like, you know, Roswell or Rendlesham Forest or something like, you know, uh, like that. Um, but again how how can we tell the experience your story like because of chris you know that was the one of the major catalysts of the documentary but how can we tell his story but also incorporate like what we've learned and what we've kind of gathered over the last five years and um i try to not have an objective like sometimes you'll watch an, a documentary and there's like a definite like objective behind it the objective wasn't to say uh, aliens exist because of DMT or DMTs causing us to experience aliens or anything like that. What it is, um, or what the goal was, was to say, hey, there's a lot of crossover between these experiences and people are trying to figure out this UFO thing and nobody can get their minds or hands around it. But here's these people that are smoking DMT that are talking to aliens every day or, you know, when they do it or whatever. And then here's, you know, um, these people that are having similar crossover experiences. And I've talked to people that have done both that have had both that, yeah, there's some similarity there, you know, like they're being operated on. It's like similar to like an abduction thing. And, um, we've had many, we've had, uh, uh Dick Khan on a long time ago. We even made a clip of his experience where he's talking about being operated on by these DMT, you know, beans or whatever. And it's almost, if you didn't say DMT and you just told that story, it would sound like an alien abduction. So, um, so yeah, it's just, it was just to like ask questions, but also the main hypothesis is one that I stand by, which is that I believe that mysteries exist because there's two possibilities. Um, I don't know. I'm not going into the Arthur, Arthur C. Clarke quote, but there's two possibilities. Either so either we're creating these mysteries, we're dangling a carrot in front of ourselves to like further this evolution of mind and survival and whatever. And and the main thing is the survival of us. That's the that's the the teleology or the telos of the the whole thing here is just to survive, keep it going, keep it going. Um, so let's just say that very base, very basic. That's the case. Well, then I could see this thing about humans being fascinated with mysteries and things we can't explain and can't see. Okay. We've discovered things that we didn't know exist because of things we couldn't see and figured tools out and ways of measurement and things like that. So like that, we know that exists in the back of our mind, but back when we didn't know that existed, you know, that still must've come from somewhere. So, so again, my idea is that at very least we have this element of 
our genetics need needing to survive. So through this process of creating a mystery and then solving the mystery and going through this process, you could call it partially what, you know, the hero's journey or whatever, um, you know, d- different elements of it or whatever. Um, we create this thing and go through the cycle constantly evolving, constantly evolving, constantly evolving, but we're doing it to ourselves. We don't know. That's just almost again, like some sort of biological AI. Um, so that's very baseline in my opinion. Now, the other end of the spectrum, which I leave open-ended as well and don't say whether, is could there be some other, a creator, a force, some sort of life force, some sort of energy that's interacting with us uh, on some level that we're on, we don't have the senses yet or we don't have the capabilities yet or something like that. So again, th- that I just wanted to present that like hypothesis that like, this is possible. We could be doing this to ourselves, but also all these people are having these experiences. So what does this mean? Why are, why is this happening? So. Yeah, man. And like I said, I'd bet money that we'll never have like the full answers, but um, the documentary, it, like, like I said, context and vantage point, I think are um, more necessary uh, when it comes to understanding these kinds of things uh, aside from concrete takeaways. So, and you guys knocked it out of the park. Um, I think it would have been extremely foolish uh, and missing the point to try and get concrete takeaways from those kinds of investigations. So, Oh, um, we, we had discussions about that, by the way, because I would never compromise my integrity, but let's just say Maurice and I, I've seen enough documentaries where I know what I need, would need to make to make something that would be like, I hate to say it, but like a hit or something that would like speak to more right? Like flashy. I'm I'm not trying to no, no, but like, um, say something that's wrong intentionally there's a lot of and i'm, I'm not going to call anybody out but there's a lot of people even in like the psychedelic community that will like knowingly push people that have false narratives around like ancient use or things like that like there's no evidence to support that or there's no you know what i'm saying like shit like that and there's the same thing exists within these kind of creative projects where i know for a fact people are lying like i know people that have lied on their shows that have said completely different things behind, you know, closed doors or whatever, things like that. So, and again, I would never put somebody out there like that ever, but um, it's just one of those things where if I would have said DMT is the core, you know, you know, like if you want to communicate with the aliens, it's because of DMT. Like we could have easily turned that into that. And that would have been so fucking salacious that, you know, I guarantee you, I guarantee you more people would have been like, Oh, I got to see that they, you know, there's whatever. And I could have, you know, we, we, when you edit things too, like we didn't cut splice anything together. Like you can do certain things. Like we didn't do anything. We just cut things out um, from like the beginning or the end of a sentence, like blurps or fuck ups or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we left everything in context cause we didn't want to like misrepresent. Like everybody was telling their experiences. Like Chris goes through his whole experience. You know, you go through your one experience. Um, 
you know, and then you go through a little bit of the philosophical stuff. Like we didn't, we cut things out, but we didn't like misrepresent or alter things, which you can do. And people do do it. I mean, ancient aliens, you know, will take a two hour conversation that they have with one of these people and take like a 15 minute clip. And then all of a sudden that person is a pariah in whatever community they're. (laughs) So. Yeah. Yeah. Great points. Yeah. That is, um, yeah, I'm sure if you had uh, if you had pitched it as like an instruction guide to understanding how DMT is a correlate to talking to uh, uh, aliens, um, yeah, definitely would have gotten more views. But uh, yeah, you'd be you wouldn't be much better than David Wilcock at that point. You're well, like one it, step it, away it, from bathing again. I mean, I like to think I'm an intelligent guy, but yeah, I would never, <laughs> I would never do anything that I didn't. I'm Anybody that knows me, and I'm not saying I never have, but it would be rare that I would lie. Um, and it would be something to like, yeah, I took the trash out, and then I'll do it like in an hour. You know, something like that. But not like yeah. intentionally deceiving people about things that I've experienced or seen or whatever. And I've been ultra careful about talking about my own experiences so I don't mislead people into thinking that, they can achieve this through the same means or whatever. I don't know. I don't know if my biochemistry is different or whatever my experiences and, you know, things like that, you know, especially with like psychedelics and psychedelic experiences. Um, so I've been ultra careful not to color my experiences too much or make them seem, you know, and I could easily have done that. Maurice and I have, well, we've watched videos where like, if we did this, this would have a massive impact on numbers and stuff like that. And I have seen other people that have noticed that if you do that and then they end up doing that and then they do blow up, they'll have, you know, there's a few ways to do it. Um, one of the ways is what I mentioned. You make it more salacious and you misrepresent. Um, another way, which some people do, is to get like somebody that's taboo at the time and it will, because people will hate that person just watching them, whatever they've done. If it's somebody that's been, you know, canceled or whatever, uh, you have that person on and immediately you're going to, you know, there's some people that don't care that half the people are going to hate it or whatever. They'll, they just want those numbers. Um, mm. You know, so there's di- these different ways of doing this that again i would never do that so i'm happy with the slow steady growth of course i would like mind escape to be you know be my main income or my only job or something at some point but i'm not i'm not naive you know like i i love doing the podcast so i just will do it you know if it ever something does happen by chance or whatever i you know that's awesome but um I like to think that I would never become one of those people. And I, that's something I pride myself on. So I agree. Yeah. And that's why we get along so well, man. Yeah. Cause I mean, I got my own pitfalls, but, uh, I feel, uh, there's no question. I would, I would never be one of those people. Um, before like, I, I'm just a, a private person. I like talking about this stuff, but you know, the last thing you'll see is me, um, being, like one of those viral people that's like always um or just like a social media person that's always you know letting people into their lives that's that's not what i'm about at all man and um i would honestly i would i, I would back out of the public spotlight so quickly if it ever if it ever got to a point where um 
I was in a position like to take advantage of people. This actually reminds me, um, just fun uh, cherry on top of all that to talk about charlatans. Um, it, it doesn't have anything to do with the paranormal or uh, like esoteric anything, um, but it's uh, a cult thing. And there was this, uh, there was this World of Warcraft gamer. Um, his name was Athene. He was a, like one of the biggest like internet viral people back in the day. Um, they they named like World of Warcraft items after him, and uh, he was a troll. And well, he also he eventually started coming out with these like zeitgeistish sort of videos. Are you familiar with Athene? Okay, um, no, but I know that like the old school YouTube zeitgeist total. movies that now you could never find, but at one point they were pretty popular. Yeah, yeah. And so he had these like psychologization. It was almost like secret type stuff, but more neuro neuroscience and. Some of that was like interesting. I remember watching one of those videos and being like, huh, cool food for thought. And uh, oh, also he's a World of Warcraft gamer. Well, these days, nowadays, the guy cashed in on all his, uh, his you know, he made his nuts, so to speak. And uh, um, it sort of just stopped caring. So what he did is he retired and uh, developed his own cult compound that's up and running today. Um, and he... Uh, he doesn't really have much of an internet presence anymore because he just got so hot up on his high horse. He started not caring. And there's like so many videos you can find of him just actively telling people, laughing at people, talking about how I'm scamming everyone. You know, everything I do, whether it's the trolling that I do or the world of Warcraft or all this neuroscience bullshit, like I'm just getting you to give me money. And then like you're watching this video because he's live streaming. Um, I've, I've, I've watched like some like small documentaries on it. So not checking out his live streams, but, uh, and as he's saying this, people are paying him because they are dumb fucks that they, and they think they're in on the joke, but you're not, you know, no one's in on the joke there. This guy is just, uh, um, yeah. Uh, he cashed in on his clout and he's running his own successful wannabe cult now. So yeah, that's what so many people are in this game for, you know, and it's, uh, it's There's sad. a new cult documentary on Netflix right now too. Oh really? What's just that? about like it's like in general about cults and like the pe some people are interviewed that have been in some of the cults and just like the mindset and how they get you and the stuff that they did on the inside and there's like more evil ones and then there's benevolent ones you know that kind of a thing. Cults are very fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Talk about a rabbit hole. Um, it was. I mean, and talk that's about what we should do for an episode. That would be a banger having. A conversation on what makes a cult, you know, cult versus religion. Now that's a that's an intense conversation, dude. I'd be happy to have it. Let we can um we can have that before um yeah be uh, before things get too far into the future because I love to have that conversation. Um, I have uh, dibble dabbled in that many times talking with different people. Um, but and 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 it's well worth having. Um. And talk about final frontiers of like unexplainable phenomena. Like you could include abnormal psychology in that, but like cult, the inner workings of a cult, it's still so, you know, it's not something that we get eyes on very often. It's only the, the aftermath of talking to people who survived these things. You know, we have um, the, uh, the Teal Swan documentary that came out. I don't know if you've seen that, but um Dude, that I, shit. I know. I, so I know a little bit about her because some of the people 
that I used to talk to and like some of the, like the psychedelic circles and some of those people fell hard victim to like some of those new age yoga and spirituality mm-hmm. type things that were happening over the last like six or seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, but I, so go on the teal, whatever. Yeah. Teal Swan, man. Um, you know, for people that don't know, she's like a female spiritual Tony Robbins kind of. Um, and uh um she long story short she uh she allowed this documentary crew to come in uh to her her compound so that they could film her um and she could be transparent and show the world you know all her haters that she's not a cult leader or anything like that and and what happened instead is we got four one-hour episodes of one of the most disturbing inside looks at a cult that like that we've literally ever put on record in footage and you know there's no like sexual abuse there's no there's no like anything like that but what i can say to the extent that this is just the tip of the iceberg it it's like it's like a it's like a spiritual satanic panic cult where she's putting people under hypnosis and literally incepting them i'm not exaggerating one bit um and telling people you know you have all these uh repressed memories of your family abusing you and selling you to these satanic cult members and these things. And, and this is in the documentary. You can watch one example of a woman being like, no, I don't have these memories. You're wrong. You're wrong. And she keeps pushing her over and over consistently wearing her down because these people are doing these retreats. And at the end of it, this woman is convinced that she was severely abused, had no memories of it is just taking. I'm not even convinced hypnosis works. I mean, I've never been able to be hypnotized so yeah i mean there's there's like i'm not saying it doesn't work heavily exaggerated i'm saying what the what i see when they put their hand they go go to sleep and then this person just like passes out and does whatever they tell them to do i can't even imagine that based on i've been to hypnotherapy i don't know maybe i just need to find some like rock star hypnotist or something but i've never been able to might be easier as well. Yeah. You know, well, I meditate. Is- so if it's, you know, I've been told, and I don't know if this is true, but I've been told the suggestive state that you get, they put you into is something akin to like right before you go to bed. 100%. Yeah. That, like that the pre dreaming, like that, what's that called? Um, hypnagogic, hypnagogic type state uh-huh. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, uh, very well said. And, um, you know, she's uh, so Teal Swan is doing these things to people, and she's like literally like, uh, like Navy SEAL kind of shit, like dunking people in and out of water while they're gasping for air, and she's like purifying them. Um, so that is one of the craziest looks, like actually into the inner workings of a cult. You see Teal Swan breaking people down. Um, you know, other than that, we have. Um, a lot of the goodbye videotapes, as dark as that sounds, of the Heaven's Gate members, you can find those. You know, it's not like as they're cheersing like their cups or anything, but it's like for that documentary. Was, that documentary, I think it was on Showtime or HBO. That was pretty good. Was the multiple. the Heaven's Gate one. Yeah, multiple part one. Yeah, that's a hell of a story right there. Um, it, uh, the only other one I'll mention. Um, is I actually haven't seen this one yet. Um, I only heard of it recently, but it sounds fascinating. This documentarian, it's called Holy Hell, came out in 2016. Yeah, I know about um, it. 
Yeah. Rogan always talks about it because he bought the building where his comedy club is now was one of the oh, locations. What? Yeah, well, one of the, it was Holy one of the, the Buddha field. They were going to build a Buddha field there or something. No fucking kidding. Yeah, see, I didn't know any of that. I just yeah. heard that this documentarian went and lived with this cult and then filmed this documentary over like something like a decade, if not longer. And is apparently, I believe, still affiliated with them. Yeah, the dude who was like a documentary. A, it's pretty weird. He was like a gay porn star that like seduced all the men or something like that. I forget <laughs> the the. St- wow. I've never seen it. I'm just going by what I heard on Rogan. But sounds uh, the. Uh, I am super fascinated by, like I said, the peeking behind the veil, the inner well, you, workings. Of you these know, things. it's so secretive. You know what the cult? It's, it's a wife. Somebody's. You know, sleeping with somebody—it's it always oh, comes yeah. down. It always comes down to that. It always mm. comes down to that. It's weird, yeah. It, it becomes so animalistic. Um, if you're a sick cult leader, and you're doing it for long enough, it's like inertia. You're just sleeping with people that you shouldn't be sleeping with. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, well, like my, my wife made me watch that um, Waco thing with the dude uh, Taylor. Oh, Koresh. Yeah. Um, so how can you watch that happen and think that that's normal and like believe that like I just that's where I guess I understand that some of these people come from you know religious backgrounds already or they're more suggestible or whatever I mean look I'm like I said I was raised Catholic I thought sky dad you know you're a good person sky daddy you know takes you when when you're done and we'll all meet up you know and Backstreet Boys will sing uh you know, something in, in heaven for us all, you know, or something, but no. And then you realize that, and then you have some sort of existential break or meltdown. And by the way, I'm not saying that other dimensions or whatever don't exist, but like, you know, the way things are portrayed in religions and things like that are very different than when you come of age and are able to rationalize things and realize that and some people don't, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, I have a tough time when I watch those things, I feel like I'm watching like aliens or alien people. Like, I don't know how, how you get there. Like maybe a couple people, like this person came from a rough background or this person, but like some of these people are like attorneys and they drop everything and then they go, you know, so it's like, what's the psychology behind that? Obviously they're looking for something too, but it's just, again, I, I don't identify with, most of when I watch that, it's like watching, like I'm watching an experiment or something. Yeah. Yeah. Very like Stanford prison experiment ish. Like it, it, um, I don't have the answers, uh, but that is a question that fascinates me. How do people get there? Because you can't say they're all mentally ill in the like traditional sense that we think of it. You know, they're not shambling, schizophrenic no i mean some of the people are just normal they're just like normal gullible i guess if you want to use that as the term but you know people that they just or they're they'll i do think that there's value in believing in like a higher power i just think that obviously having other people in control of that for you is a dangerous game that's the tricky part yeah yes sir um but let's look. We did two hours exactly at this point. Um, I know, you know, you don't want me to say, hey, what do you want to talk about next? Because <laughs> you did that a half hour ago. And we just talked for another half hour. So, um, no, um, but, but for sure, everybody who hasn't 
checked out Anthony's books, Dive Manual, Hunt Manual. Go check them out. Also, his podcast, Black Hoodie Alchemy. Where can they find Black Hoodie Alchemy? Um, you can, you know, uh, my website, divemind.net, you can find everything. Uh, but you can find Black Hoodie Alchemy wherever you stream your podcast action, you know, Apple, Spotify, uh, like Google Podcasts. It's on some other uh, stuff like Podcast Addict and Bullhorn and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, if you want some comedy bits, you can go check out what I call the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, um, the, uh, the characters that I make fun of spirituality and conspiracy theories with, uh, with some other hosts um, from some shows you might recognize. Um, and yeah, you know, there's esoterica, there's horror, there's all sorts of stuff going on. I try to mix it up um, all under the same consistent themes. And yeah, I'm in it for the long haul. Like I said in the beginning, if this was a different time period, I'd be, you know, it, going to school for broadcast right now. I love like doing it. Like you said, it, you're so. a hipster, bro. You waited till everybody had one and then you, it's, not cool anymore and now you jumped in the fucking game bro we know what happened shit yeah you know me man um <laughs> You're twirling but, your stash <laughs> over there i see what's going on um i'm uh i'm what do they call it like uh, i'm a stim soother like i i gotta have stimulation i'm always playing with my hair and my mustache <laughs> but uh no for real um thank you for having me on the show and um um, I seriously, you know, like I got a, a window that we talked about of like some particular flexibility. So maybe here, dude, you can come on, you can two. come back. Yeah. You can come back on next week or two weeks or I don't know. You know, we do have obviously people that have, you know, been, you know, I've been talking with over that reached out or whatever when I was on a hiatus, but you know, we'll get everybody in. I'm not worried about it. And yeah, you know, like absolutely. I said, I I'm you're flexible. I'm flexible. So we'll make it happen again. Like I said, we can maybe pick a, a more definite, this was kind of like a hodgepodge of a bunch of different uh, stuff, which is a cool. I welcome back show. Yeah. I, lo I love that. But I think we can do, like I said, more of like a, you know, uh, one of those debates, like, uh, you know, the cult versus religion thing or anything like that's, that. That's a great topic, man. Yeah, I'm game for that. We could talk more about that soon. Um, um, but yeah, man, look, <clears throat> I really, uh, like I said, love your takes on all this stuff. Uh, to have two books published and, uh, you know, a full podcast going. You're in a documentary now. You got all, a lot of stuff going on for you. Um, at an age where most people are just out there partying. So I really respect uh, what you're doing and putting your time into. And we need more young people to learn philosophy and just be better critical thinkers. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you're a good role model, in my opinion, for younger people. So um, I appreciate it, man. I will say this. Uh, my, my driving motivation is existential horror, which is, you know, the theme of the show, ultimately. Um Cause I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty laid back guy. Um, I, you know, normal life. I'm not like a, like a shut in constantly thinking about this stuff. But that said, um, it took me a while to wrestle with and come to terms with the fact, like, it seemed like I was too aware of, you know, just every second, like grains, you know, uh, grains in the hourglass, uh, sands in the hourglass ticking away. And it, you know, for a long time, I had a crippling anxiety. And, you know, if, if if I'm ahead of the game on any sort of empirical level, it was truly out of necessity. Uh, like if um, life can be terrifying and um, sometimes, you know, 
yeah, sure. It's all perspective, but uh, sometimes you need, you know, like emotions and your psyche, all the different aspects of your psyche. They're like muscles that you need to work. And sometimes you need to put in effort to uh, quell some of those depress, like some of those depressive states or those anxieties. And, you know, it's all, it's not easy, but, you know, just um, it, yeah, I don't know. Be honest with yourself. If anyone out there, you know, is trying to uh, pursue any of these things further, you know, like the self-discovery, unexplainable phenomena, be honest with yourself and um, don't, yeah, um, I don't know, because like there's there's just so much bullshit out there. And um, I think that, uh, you know, I think people become so comfortable lying to other people. Well, don't trick yourself. Yeah, yeah. It starts there's a million you. people out there that will lie to you. Don't lie to yourself. At least have somebody telling you the truth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, um, yeah. do your thing out there. Follow, like, everyone's got, as cliche as it sounds, you have your own inner mythology. You have your own hero's journey quest that you need to fucking get on, you know? It starts, the thousand-mile journey starts with the first step. You know, and that's like, that's as far as that. That's my Tony Robbins impression for the night, folks. <laughs> Teal yeah. Swan, folks. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but for real, yeah. I learned something I'm not, new. <laughs> like, yeah, if it like I, I'm very invested in this stuff and it's and it's helped me a lot. And that's why I'm invested in it. You know, it's not for clout. It's not for book sales. It's for the camaraderie. I love the community. I love the people I meet. And for catharsis, man, that's what it's all about in the long run. You know, just living life a little better for yourself and the people around you. Like, you know, I don't really care uh, if we figure out um, what the government's talking about with UFOs. You know, it's it's about catharsis and uh, and understanding these dark or outlandish or high minded things so that we can appreciate the small things more. And to your point, too with the government stuff, let the, let them do what they're going to do and obviously follow it or don't follow it, whatever. But what about citizen science? Like what about, yeah. you know, people hate DIY baby grassroots. Well, well people hate, uh, um, uh, Weinstein, um, Eric, you know, because he mm-hmm. gets involved with the UFO stuff and he says things that people don't like to hear, whatever. I understand that. But at the end of the day, he said something which I really agreed with uh, on the Rogan podcast last time he was on, which is there used to be a level of like citizen science and like interest in like engineering and like understanding things that we just don't have anymore because you can literally pull up your phone and order anything from Amazon to make your life easier in that moment. You're not creating or altering or, you know, doing something, create MacGyvering something or, you know, whatever there's there, you know, and, and, even like to this day, like, yeah, we see, you know, psychedelics moving along, but there was a level of like clandestine psychedelic science happening in like this, the late seventies and eighties and stuff. That's like uh, unbelievable. If you heard these stories, you know, and some of them have gotten out there. So again, I just think that there's this thing that we're not doing that we could be doing, which is instead of waiting for somebody else to tell us how it is, we could be figuring it out ourselves. Um, we're all smart, capable people. Scientists are just people that go to school a little bit longer and understand a very specific aspect of things. Um, so yeah. Amen, I mean, I, dude. Yeah. Well said. So again, uh, 
let's wrap it up here. Check out Anthony's book, the website and his link tree. Everything's down below. We'll have him back on again soon. Um, yes, yeah. And, and again, I'm going to play the trailer for our documentary as we get out of here. So if anybody hasn't, please go check out our documentary. It's free right now on our YouTube channel. Um, please share it or post it or repost it, tweet it, whatever you got to do, get it out there, get it to your friends, get it to your neighbors, get people talking about aliens and DMT. Come on. Um, no, but seriously, just, we would appreciate anybody getting that out there. Um, and uh, everybody, everybody that participated in it, thank you. Of course, Anthony, thank you very much for sharing your personal stories and your experiences. Um, thank you to all the Patreons, patrons that, uh, are escapees that, you know, bought it for $7 before we released it on YouTube. And I'm trying to think anybody else. Thank you to Maurice who did an excellent job editing it. Um, Shane and Toby who helped, you know, get some producer stuff done. Um, and yeah, shout out to Chase running the boards here tonight. I'm going to hopefully get Chase in here on a bigger role on Mind Escape here shortly. Um, let's see here. What else? Um, I wanted to touch upon, oh, uh, the glass blowing stuff. I will keep everybody posted again. I'm big into glass art and things like that, especially heady functional art. If you know what that means. Um, anyways, um, Oakwood Hotworks, my, uh, my brother from a different mother, uh, Blake Maisie, same last <laughs> name, oddly enough, uh, killing it out there. Uh, on Etsy, go check that Oakwood Hotworks. Also, Andrew Tischler on uh, Instagram. He's been on the show. Actually, we've had him talking about uh, uh, Rudolf Steiner and philosophy and Plato and all sorts of stuff. So he's actually been a guest on the show, and he's a really sick uh, glass blower. Uh, our buddy Jeff, local Detroit guy, blows sick stuff at JC Marbles, and then. Uh, um, I don't know this person, but I really admire their work on uh, on Etsy. It's Spirit Moves Us. Um, just unbelievable stuff. And again, there's there's a lot, but we're going to try and do like a collaboration, some sort of crossover between these artists or whoever wants to participate. Um, yeah. And stop buying uh, shitty Chinese glass and only buy yeah. American glass. Um, it lasts longer. There's more effort. A lot of these people understand techniques that are more complex and it's not just being manufactured, you know, by somebody or a machine or whatever that doesn't give a shit. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much, uh, my spiel here. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. All of our links are in our link tree. If you want to support the show, Oh, our new mind escape logo, uh, with the slime green lettering and all that, we have merch up in our merch store now. So go check that out. And that's it. Like I said, Maurice will be coming and going, uh, still for a while. Uh, he's just, it's really busy for his work season right now. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to have plenty of guests on PD Newman will be on again soon. Uh, and I have a whole bunch of other people that I've reached out to. Um, so we'll be uh, setting those up as well. So, yeah, uh, that's it. Like I said, I'm going to play the trailer as we get out of here. And thank you so much again, Anthony. We'll have you back on soon. And, yes, sir. Uh, thank you. Yeah, congratulations on the podcast. Go check out Black Hoodie Alchemy. And uh, that's it. Peace. Take it easy, Love y'all. you all. Stay safe. Bye-bye.
I don't have to believe something's here. There's no question about that. They are not just from this planet, but based on the characteristics they're most often described having, that they're simply us from the future. It was um, the biggest aircraft I've ever seen in my entire life. It was semi-translucent, it seemed. And we see four orange orbs flying one after another, basically in formation. Um, I think in a way, you know, you could call a UFO a flying dream. Out of the cornfield, that seven foot tall, gray, menacing, communion looking alien or whatever you want to call it. Because it can be a multitude of things, of deities, of godlike creatures, of aliens. The reality that we experience on a day-to-day -day basis seems to be this very, very thin slice of something far larger and far more complex. As within, so without. From UFOs to DMT.